This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Oh, here we go, boys. that sound. This is a good one. Welcome back to the Full Scale Outdoors podcast. I'm Dale Luganville. Thank you for joining me. I guess I don't know if I should say welcome back. This might be the first episode that you listen to. In that case, just welcome. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. This week's recap recap cap and rant i think i was redundant there whatever week and recap and rant although it's a whole week so whatever anyways i'm gonna recap some stuff and then i'm gonna go to rant about some stuff am i gonna rant uh, i might we'll see how it goes anyway so i was just up at uh, pelican lake in or minnesota if you've listened to this podcast for a while you know it's um, probably my favorite place on the earth um very good bass fishing lake, and it, uh, for the most part, lived up to the hype. Um, I will say right out of the gate that the fishing was a little tough, and I think the hot weather definitely is playing a role. Uh, water levels are way down, about as low as I've ever seen it. Um, the dam there is like mm, no water going over it, so that's a thing. Yeah, so it was it was hot when we got up there in fact i think water temperature was 80 degrees and for that lake that's hot i don't know i mean i guess i can't really say because growing up and when we were fishing that lake out of a 14 foot boat we didn't have any sort of electronics to even tell what the surface temp of the lake was but 80 is hot for that lake. That much I know for the time that I've had electronics and fishing that lake for, you know, the last, whatever, 10 years or so. It's, it's, that's hot. 
And thankfully, we did get some rain. Pretty good storms rolled through, and uh, that cooled stuff down. So we get there on Monday, and I thought it was just going to be fire. I launched the boat, and then, you know, as soon as I, I got on the boat, I just popped on Snapchat. I'm like, all right, I'm here at Pelican Lake. The time is whatever time it was. Let's see how long it takes for I catch my first fish. And so send that off. I start fishing, and, like, ugh, I had two chances right away. I had a chance. Like, I wasn't wasn't quite my first cast, but very quick, within a couple minutes, I should have had my first fish, and but I messed it up. And then I had another bite, and I missed that one. I'm like, I was putting too much pressure on myself, setting the hook too fast, and that kind of was like I wanted to get one in there really quick. Uh, but I did end up getting one pretty quickly, I would say. I don't remember what the time gap was, but it was only like five, six minutes. And then I caught another one, not like another minute later, then another one, another minute later, and another one, another minute later. I'm like, all right, that'll do. And uh, I think it caught like, I don't know, 10 fish real quick, um, just in the little bay by the landing. And and then I headed to the headed to the resort. We're staying at Northland Lodge Resort and uh, just to pick up my nephew and go fishing for that night. Um, and his girlfriend, Peyton, who joined us. Uh, first time I met her, very nice young lady. So it was, uh, I was like, oh, this is going to be, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be so fire. And then, uh, yeah, we proceeded to struggle a little bit, hit all my normal spots. And uh, just either they weren't biting or they weren't there. Hadn't quite figured that part out yet. But my one reef that I just, like one of my favorite reefs just was not wasn't wasn't kicking out i think caught like a fish off it then went to secondary one that was kind of close to that and that one we actually did okay we picked we picked quite a few of them up on that one i was like huh that's weird this one's usually like we'll hit it because it's here but it's never really that great it's good for two or three or something like that and uh but this one we circled it a couple times and i don't remember exactly how many we caught but it was it was it was a good number it was decent then ran over to probably my second favorite reef. It might be tied for first. I don't know. It, it's usually pretty good. And I'm not even sure we caught one there. Maybe one. It wasn't. It was not good. And so, I mean, that was the sad, first Saturday there. And, uh, you know, we get up there at 3, 4 o'clock, whatever it was. And so we just had the evening to fish. And I was like, well, that was... Um, less than less than stellar for that lake i mean we still caught fish we didn't catch anything huge um you know three pounders stuff like that They're, three pounders are pretty common in that lake um but just the usually it's like the two two and a half so you just catch so many of those and uh that just so far day one not really the case though the little throwaway ones were like Two pounders, you know, pound and a half, two pounders. Like, oh, this isn't all that special. Did see a few more bass boats running around out there. Maybe I need to not talk about this lake so much. <laughs> Either that or, yeah, because I have that much inf influence. Um, no, I think it has more to do with Canada being closed. But now it's open. So maybe next year you won't see quite as much traffic up there. So Sunday rolls around. It's the first um, full day of fishing. And none of the days this week, spoiler alert, uh, did I really get up early. The the old me would be setting an alarm at like sunup 
and just like hitting it. But the new me, which is really the old me, meaning age, um, I'm like, you know what? I am actually going to treat this like a vacation and I'm not setting an alarm all week. When I wake up is when I wake up. Now, my normal body clock is still relatively early, much earlier than most other people. So still got up fairly early, uh, but then didn't even fish right away. I just went into the main house and got a cup of coffee and relaxed. And then and then kind of once Trent woke up, then it was time to go fishing. So that's pretty much what how the week went. And uh, Tuesday, again, checking off some other things, trying some stuff. It wasn't all that great again caught fish we never we we didn't ever not catch fish like the the fishing while tougher than uh and we would like it was you know good for anywhere else <laughs> but for up there i have high standards for up there so for up there you know it wasn't like lights out what you'd hope to what you'd hope it would be and then i think it was tuesday night we got rain or Saturday. The funny part about that is like we got up there and everybody's like, oh my God, it's going to be so hot all week. And he looked at the forecast and it was like all seven days were there. It's like upper 80s, early 90s, weren't really calling for any rain. And I hadn't even seen the forecast personally. Like I wasn't even really looking at it. My brothers and sisters were all looking at it. I'm like, well, it's going to rain one day. I'm just telling you right now, it's going to rain. Like no matter when we come up here, there's always one day where it rains and one day where it's like cooler than normal and people didn't really bring sweatshirts and everybody's going to be whining. Like it just, it just happens. They're like, I don't know. It says they're not here. And then they finally show me a forecast. I'm like, yeah, I see that, but I don't know. I'm just telling you it's going to rain. And I don't know what it is about that part of the state or that part of the world, but it's like a weather enigma. Like it, it I, I remember seeing times where you'd pull up the weather and it would literally say calm as winds would go. And I would look up from my phone at the lake and see white caps. I don't know where the weather reporting station is for that lake, but maybe it's unmanned and the robot working it or the AI is not so intelligent. Uh, I don't know what, I don't know, so many times. That lake was supposed to be calm, and it's raging. Or it says, oh, five-mile wind, or light and variable out of the whatever. And again, it's just like gale force winds, whitecaps cross lake. I don't know if the lake creates its own weather. I don't know. All I know is that when I check the weather, 80% of the time, it doesn't even it's, – it's not what it is. Whatever it tells you on the app, whatever it tells you on the website is not what it's actually doing. So <laughs> weather channel – uh, Noah, whatever, get your shit together, figure it out. Cause you're, you're way wrong. And I can't really make a long story short cause it's too late for that, but I was right. And then, yeah, we get rain and, uh, storms come in and it rained, uh, that day, whether it was Tuesday or Wednesday, I think it was Wednesday. It was pretty, it was kind of rainy all day, but not, not like not so bad that you like couldn't fish or whatever. I think like half the day we didn't fish, something like that. And then uh, a cold front came down and it cooled it off and it was the weather was glorious. Yeah, the first night pretty hot, pretty warm. And then after that, it got cooler. It was great. Loved it. I think it was high as 68 that day and it was kind of kind of breezy. Uh it's just glorious when you're when this hot weather, which has since returned, by the way, um, if you're not from here, of course, everybody, it just seems like all of the lower 48 is just 
boiling this summer. It's definitely been a hotter than normal summer. Um, but normally you would think, oh, a cold front that's going to switch these fish off, you know, northeast winds, blah, 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 blah. But I was like, I think it's going to kind of turn them on. And it pretty much did. Like we caught some pretty good windows where we were catching fish with uh, a lot of regularity. But what I was finding is, again, my offshore spots, which you would think middle of summer, like that's where they're going to be. Nope, not the case. And so there was another time I was up there that I was like, hmm, the last time they weren't really on these reefs, they were right on shore, like super shallow water, didn't matter. And I remember the pattern that time was like anything that was casting a shadow, there was like a bass hiding under it. Well, that wasn't really the case. We had that cooler weather, so it was clouds. There were no shallows, or were there no shadows, rather. But I did go in shallow and started punching around in there, and sure enough, we started catching some fish. And I was still really hit and miss, like, which spots were kind of producing. So I was trying to put together a pattern with that and not really coming up with anything right away. And then uh, an odd kind of pattern started to emerge which was the the super big rocks, which I don't normally fish. And I'm talking about, if anybody's been to northern Minnesota or Canada, these can, uh, Canadian Shield lakes, and a lot of these islands or shoreline have these big, large, smooth rocks. Not really smooth, but like it's not broken up. It's like one big, giant piece of rock, earth, that just slopes into the lake. And generally, those aren't that great because they don't offer any cover. There's no cracks or they're not casting any shadows. There's nowhere for like crayfish to hide. There's just like, they're just barren rock. There's, there's nothing on it. So they don't really ever produce. I don't spend a lot of time fishing them, but every time we'd get kind of close to one of these, which I don't normally even fish, we would start picking up some fish. So I'm starting to pay attention and, um, in about middle of the week, we actually went to one of those big kind of sloping rocks, not to fish it, but to check how the blueberries were. I'd already kind of heard that the blueberries weren't doing so great because everything was so dry. But, I mean, this is like primetime blueberry picking. And so my sister, Trish, wanted to go check that out. We climb up there. The blueberry plants are there. Pretty bare. We did find a, a, a very small handful of blueberries the tiniest, tiniest blueberries you've ever seen. I mean, they're ripe. They were just tiny. And there was normally when you're picking blueberries, you know, you got the ripe ones, and then there's some that are all in different stages. A couple of them that have kind of like raisined up that just ripen, too much ripen on the vine. You got some green ones that are just starting. And, you know, in a good year, you've, you know, in all different stages, just plants are just loaded. Well, this is the polar opposite of that. Hardly anything. Everything's just bone dry up there. But what I did see is a ton of mink and raccoon poop everywhere and the remains of crayfish all over the place. So this does remind me of that time that I was fishing super shallow a few years ago. And back then I kind of started formulating a theory as to why they were so shallow. Well, crayfish molt. Now, they don't. it's not like birds where they only molt once like... The more they eat, the more they grow, and, and they're 
exoskeleton doesn't grow with them. So when they get bigger, they have to shed that. And so they can actually molt a couple times a year. But I think for whatever reason, around this time of year, there's like a mass molting, if you will, that these fish know what's happening and they key in on it. And I've seen this before many, many years ago and didn't really know what was going on. I was on Vermilion Lake and uh, Cook, well, closer to Ely really, but whatever, um, on Vermilion. And I was like, there's crayfish on top of the rocks, like out in the day. I was like, what is going on? This is kind of weird. And it was one of the, and we were kind of struggling or I was kind of struggling. We were camping out there. And not really finding a ton in like classic smallmouth spots. And then I kind of went in this bay, just protected bay because it was really windy, to take lunch. And that's where I saw these crayfish on the rocks. And I, and I just started, you know, was eating a sandwich and lazily throwing a popper around. And then, again, like right when we would get next to shore, boom, bass would blow up. I'm like, holy crap, it's all sorts of fish back in here. And they're like in no water. But these crayfish are on top. And I'm like, oh, they must be scared running for their life. Well, this is before I knew anything about the molt. So so whatever year it was where I experienced this again, I started, I'm like, I think the crayfish are molting. And that's why these fish are like in no water. They're just right on shore. They're either getting them as they climb out or they're waiting for them to come back in. Oh, the the reason I kind of put that puzzle together that year is because another time, again, we went on an island to go looking for morel, or not morels, blueberries or some other kind of mushrooms or just kind of a hike through the, the forest or whatever and i happened to see a crayfish on land like well away from water just walking around i'm like what in the heck is going on and so that's kind of the light bulb started going off in my head so come back to this year and i'm like i think they're doing that mole thing you know all these crayfish parts and pieces all over the shore i mean the mink will go swim underwater and grab some and have a snack but the raccoons won't raccoons aren't swimming so they'll go down to the water and if they have a chance i mean they're opportunistic if they have a chance to grab a, a crayfish that's you know either in shallow water or crawling around on land well they're gonna jack that crayfish for sure and so all sorts of sign around leading me to believe that these crayfish are coming out of the water i assume to molt and the bass are keying in on it and I think why those bigger lakes. And so there was one night we fished. It was like the last night we were there. Um, yeah, it was Thursday night. Everybody was leaving. I plan on leaving early on Friday. So Thursday night, we got out like before, right before sundown and fished and uh, did pretty good. We we're catching a lot of fish and then we won. And so it was going pretty good we're just like well let's fish into the night we'll see there was a little bit of wind so it was keeping the bugs down and every time of course when you get in the back side of an island where the it was protected like the mosquitoes would instantly find you that was some bullshit but um anytime you got to one of those big rocks you'd pick a bunch up and i'd start Picking that up, um, that pattern actually was earlier than that. It was a couple of days prior. I took my um, younger nephew Finn out, and we just had a day. And that that I just guided for the first part of that. Like I was just really he hadn't really had a, any good fishing all week. The kid loves to fish, so I'm like, take him out, and try to teach him some new stuff. And I put a a wacky uh, rigged senko on for him, weighted wacky, and so I would 
and he didn't have polarized glasses or, you know, kind of conceptualized. I think he is 12. And so I would I would see a rock or something casting a shadow, and I would pitch to it. And I'd say, Finn, here, I want you to cast right here. And then I'd pitch my jig out there and then reel it in real quick because I didn't want it to get bit. And so kind of giving him a visual target of where I wanted to cast. Now, he's pretty inexperienced. He wasn't the most accurate caster, but he would get generally close enough. And then if he, like, cast too far, be like, reel, 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 reel. Okay, stop reeling. Let it fall all the way to the ground. And then that was kind of something I had to really coach him to. He had a tendency, like most novice fishermen, to just start reeling. I'm like, don't reel. Just let it let it sink slowly all the way to the bottom. That's what that's how this lure works the best. And then sure enough, we'd get down to the bottom, just settle, and shoop, you'd see his line move. He wouldn't know he had a bite, but I was like, that's fish, set the hook. And then he would set the hook and then cut a bunch of fish. As soon as he had like over a dozen, then I started kind of joining him and catching some fish. You know, while he was fishing some spots, I was playing around with some different techniques, seeing if I could stumble upon a pattern. And would, you know, incidentally, I like caught one on a swim jig over cabbage, but that didn't pan out to be any kind of pattern. I, I threw some top waters, didn't get any hits there. You know, kind of trying different stuff while he was fishing in some spots that normally would produce, but but weren't. And then we hit this one island, and this island was on fire. And it had those large, giant rocks in it. And that, I mean, you had to cast right on shore so that was a little bit of challenge with finn because his accuracy is not all that great sometimes he'd cast on land and then just bring it in but he was catching fish and and i started catching fish in the jigs and it's like okay this is for sure a pattern 100 percent. so that's you know towards the end of the trip we finally put a pattern together of course it's like oh great figured it out about time it's you know it's time to go um, but was it earlier that day? Yes, it was. I think it was, yeah, it was earlier Thursday. Uh, we were fishing. It was kind of windy, and there's a certain spot on that lake that's really starting to become my favorite spot. Not so much for numbers, but it's holding big fish, and some of the larger bass are coming from there. Um, and I caught a 19 and a half, which that was the biggest bass of the trip. Um, my scale wasn't working, so I have no idea what it weighed. But I can tell you, it's it's a fat 19 and a half because everything is just gorging on these crayfish. Like their guts look like they're, they're spawning. Like their stomachs are so big and fat. And uh, anyways, we're on a, the backward side, and this the wind's kind of pushing this current through. And Trent's girlfriend Peyton was out there, and she had caught some fish. But that night, she was struggling a little bit. She wasn't really into it. And then. Uh, she was casting a jig around and then she wasn't going to fish anymore. And then, um, she was like, ah, I'll make one more cast, or whatever. And she cast it out. wasn't getting anything. She's like reeling it back in. And she's so <laughs> timid. Like anytime she gets stuck in a rock, she wouldn't say anything. Or if she said it, she said it really low under her breath. And Trent was like, what? Oh, you're in a rock. I'm like, yeah, say something. I could turn around and go get it out. And then she would catch a fish, and she wouldn't say anything. Next thing you know, I just see her in her peripheral, like she, rods bent, and she's reeling. I'm like, oh, geez, you got a fish. Say something. So I run back there and help her out. And the same kind of thing. Like, all of a sudden, she hooks up this fish. I look back, like, oh, you got a fish. And her rod's just, like, super bent over. I'm like, man, it looks like a good one. This fish comes up, and this 
giant head on it, big mouth, and I immediately thought, holy crap, this is a giant bass. I mean, giant. I'm thinking six, seven pounds. I'm like, holy smokes. It kind of dies back down, and then it comes back up. And we were bass fishing, so I wasn't really, and it wasn't the pike, so I was like, I, you know, my brain wasn't really paying attention that much. But when it came up that second time, and I saw, I was like, oh shit, that's a walleye. That's a giant walleye. I'm like, I look down at my net. My net's like still put together, and it's all tangled up in the shit. And I'm like. Well, that's not going to happen. So she reels this thing up, and I'm like, that's far enough. Don't really anymore. Just keep the rod tip up. And I jump up there, and I finally land this thing by hand. Uh, and it's long. This thing is long. Um, crazy. And, of course, she's from South Carolina. She's never caught a walleye before. Um, so for her first walleye, she catches this giant. And it. I put it on the tape, and it was 28 inches. 28-inch walleye for her first ever. Just That's a PB that's probably not going to get broken for her. I mean, unless we specifically target. And I was, like, trying to tell her. She's like, oh, is that big? I'm like, is that big? There's people live here in Minnesota, fish their whole life, and never catch a 28-inch. In fact, my biggest is 27 and a half. Well, granted, I don't really fish for them that often, but it's still, like, <laughs> beginner's luck, I guess. The only downside was this pretty skinny fish um, didn't have, like, for a 28-incher, uh, we we brought it back and, and weighed it. There was a scale on the, the pontoon that we were renting up there too. Uh, my brother got the scale. And it was kind of funny because I'm like, hey, where's that scale? There's a fish in the live well we need to weigh. He's like, what? I'm like, yeah, it's huge. He's like, holy crap, bigger than that? I'm like, yeah. I didn't tell him it was a walleye. He's like, holy crap. So he we run down there and he brings it over and I do the big reveal. And he's like, wait, what? a walleye and he freaks out I'm like yeah and i was like and peyton caught he's like no way that's awesome and uh, so we weighed it and it was 6.7 pounds for a 28 inch walleye that's not very good i mean that's i mean a, a 28 should be like eight pounds you know that's that's not very good weight wise but hell of a fish and uh so there was a lot of talk like ah, should we mount this is this worth mounting and i'm like well at this point we're either mounting it or eating it because it's in the live well and it's already not doing well and it like that was like we were done fishing we came in for supper so it was like a five minute boat ride not even so by the time we had put it in the live well and got to the dock it was already starting to look pale and not good so as skinny as it was it was probably already on its way out it was getting ready to eat its last meal or whatever and uh so she really wanted to get it mounted and i'm like but kind of kept waffling back and forth and you know it takes a lot of money to mount a fish and I'm like, you do what you want to do. It's your trophy. If you want the trophy, otherwise I can clean it up. We can eat it if that's what you want to do. But I said, I would have no qualms. I would not ridicule anybody for mounting a 28-inch wally. That's a really, really good one. And they're like, would you do it? I said, I personally wouldn't just because long time ago I had set my sights on a 30-incher, which a lot of people have. And also I can fish for them if I choose so, which I don't usually choose so. But – for you, the chance of you even going walleye fishing ever again, or I mean, if that's what she gets into, but I doubt it. <laughs> so I'm like, this is, yeah, this is a fish of a lifetime. And I kind of reiterate, like, not that many people catch a 28 inch walleye. Like, it's, they're pretty rare. Sure, there's some place you can go, Malax being one of them, where you have a pretty good chance of catching a 28. Although it sounds like the numbers on Malax are down a little bit as far as big fish go. So we'll, 
see how that thing pans out. Um, anyways, that, that was a lot of fun, a lot of excitement. Super pumped up that she would catch that fish. And I told Trent at the beginning of the week, I said, you know who's going to catch the trophy this week? It's going to be Peyton. It's going to piss you off. He's like, no, it'll make me happy. Like, And he actually was pretty happy for her. So that's he's getting that mount done for her for her Christmas present. So that's, oh, so sweet. So that was ah, that was a lot of fun. But that lake is just, it's special. And it's weird. I had a couple of different friends that were up there that I didn't know they were going up there. And a um, good friend of mine, Kenny, he was up there like a week before we were going. I had no idea he was going up there. Um, and he didn't go up there like on my recommendation. I don't know how they found that lake on their own, but all of a sudden I just see a post on Facebook, Kenny and Lynn are at Pelican Lake in Ormus. So I'm like, wait, what, wait, what? And so, and these the fishing was kind of tough. It had been really hot. And, uh, I, I kind of gave them some spots on the lake to go try. I don't know if they panned out or not, but Lynn caught a walleye and a nice, like a 19 inch, uh, small mouth. So they, they had some success. And I, I told them, I'm like, Hey, careful that lake has a way of getting into your soul and uh, i think lynn said it's already starting so <laughs> it does like that's it's a special it's a special place it's just a gorgeous gorgeous lake there's not a ton of development on it um yeah like if pitching docks is your thing well i wouldn't say you're out of luck but you're gonna have some long stretches of no docks so just keep that in mind <laughs> it's not it's just not that developed which is one of the great things about it um and they talking to adam at birch forest lodge who uh, is my guest for my main episode this week which you're really gonna like it um because not only we talk about birch forest and this is his second time on the show he bought a lodge down in Belize called Cotton Tree Lodge. Crazy. So it was pretty fun. We talked about saltwater, talked about freshwater, kind of wove back and forth. It was a really fun conversation and pretty cool. But anyways, I was talking to Adam. He's like, yeah, actually, Wally has been doing really good up here this year until this, like, heat wave hit, and it kind of shut them down. But they've been getting some pretty good walleyes. Um, I think they got a couple over 30. I don't think they got any quite yet this year, but he said last year he's like, I can't remember. You have to listen to the episode, but there was like two or four that were like 32 inches. I was like, what the shit? 32? You got to be kidding me. Like, that's a giant. He said one of them was like 12 pounds. I was like, holy smokes. Kind of, that's almost enough to make me try to target him. <laughs> almost. I said almost. But yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, had a great time. I brought my sister out there. My daughter was up. We took her out for a little bit. And uh, it's it's just fun. It's fun to guide the, the family. It's like the one time a year they fish pretty much. And it's a really good time. A lot of laughs. Eat some good food. Drink some beer. Um, just just a great time. Um, I, don't know, I don't know what else to say about it. It was awesome. <laughs> so it was a lot of fun. And then so this year – Everybody, we cut the trip kind of short because my brother Dan had some friends he wanted to meet down the cities. And then we had also signed up for a cash tournament, Trent and I, uh, that following Saturday at Farm Island Lake, just north of Mille Lacs. Now, we had fished this before. This is one where Joel fishes with his dad every year. They've been doing it for, I don't know, tons of years. And he asked me years ago if I wanted to do it, and I did it and got crushed. And it happened to be on the, the... the wings of the ore trip too that year, just how it happened to do. So we, Trent and I left and went down there and that tournament we did 
well, we got our six fish. It's two people. It's a team tournament, six fish. Um, but they weren't very big, and I think we finished middle of the pack or something like that. And then um, so this year, which it's been a couple years in between, maybe three, I don't remember. But that last Trent didn't catch a single fish, and he was pretty salty about it. So he wanted revenge. And so we fished this this year, and the last time I kind of pre-fished it at least once. I kind of had an idea. This year I had no pre-fishing whatsoever, so I just kind of went back on what worked um, years ago, and it wasn't really working this time. It was one of those days where, like, we pick up one fish here on this technique, and then we're like, oh, this is this is the thing, and then nope, wouldn't catch anything else. Then you'd switch techniques and spots, and, like, you hit one right away, and, like, oh, maybe this is it. No, it's like catching one on everything. Um, so we slowly were getting some fish, but not really putting any sort of pattern together. And then we finally hit a hot string of docks and was able to, to get our limit. And for a while there, Trent had more fish in the box than I did. So kudos to him for uh, getting his revenge on that lake and actually not only catching a fish, but uh, contributing to the team live well. And none of them were very impressive. I knew, like, we didn't have any kickers. Like, we had these two-pound cookie cutters. You know, I was like, oh, this isn't going to work. And um, went back last few minutes. And we tried some offshore stuff. Didn't really pan out. Kind of short fish. Uh, I was like, I don't know. It wasn't a call. Didn't even didn't even measure. I was like, oh, you're going back. You're not helping. Had just a few minutes left. Ran back to that section docks that was hot earlier. Managed to pick up a few more fish. Actually made a couple upgrades. One key upgrade took the second fish spot, so that was pretty cool. Um, but still never had that, like, kicker, so that sucked. But went into weigh-in, ended up coming middle of the pack again, uh, right behind Joel and his dad. And, uh, yeah, and the team that won it was kind of just smashing the reeds, which that's kind of where we found our fish years prior. But – we had only caught one in the reeds. I guess we just needed to keep grinding it out. I don't know. But whatever. They had a really solid bag. It was like all three pounders plus and yeah, that they they won it with eighteen and change, I think, for six fish. So decent decent. I think I don't remember what our weight was, but you know, good enough for fifth, but <laughs> not impressive. So needs not really be mentioned. And then that was uh, that wrapped up the fishing excursion. Uh, Sunday I didn't fish. I took some time to do some yard work, some gardening. Got to harvest my first uh, first real harvest of the year. I had taken a couple kohlrabi like before we left, uh, but nothing really else was. So I don't really count that. But I wasn't really planning on doing any like major gardening, but went out there and checked on the beans, and they were loaded. And big, so I'm like, ooh, it's ready for these to be picked. So not only did I pick a meal, but ended up picking enough to freeze 11 bags worth. So that was fun. Got like I don't know, eight cucumbers that ready to go. Most of the kohlrabi was ready to go. Like I don't know, six, seven of those, and uh, that's it. Obviously, you know, um, the peppers and tomatoes—they're nowhere near ripe yet, but they're loaded. The plants are loaded. Our corn is doing just absolute trash this year. Uh, melons look good. Spaghetti squash, as usual, is just going stupid. And I actually, I actually like trimmed off a bunch of those and was pulling off balloons. I'm like, that's enough. I don't need any more spaghetti squash. This is ridiculous. <laughs> and, oh, the other thing is, is don't skip on the the um, those little like 
metal cages for your tomato plants, don't go with the thin, cheap, cheap ones. Cause, uh, yeah, I went and checked on them and those things are laid over. The hoops are laid over. I'm like, Oh crap. So I went up to the garage, got some like, uh, plant stakes and was able to shore them up and, and, and stiffen those up. So that was good. They're not laying in the dirt. <laughs> but it's a little gardening. And I should have, because we did have gotten some rain. I know it's dry. I'm not seeing a ton of reports online, but I, I should have went foraging because this is like chanterelle time. And again, I haven't been seeing many reports. Um, people are getting lobsters, but lobster mushrooms, but I don't know. It was just so hot. I didn't want to fight the bugs. So I kind of I kind of pushed out on that, if I'm being honest. Uh, but it would have been cool. After after harvesting some stuff in the garden, I was like, eh, it would be kind of cool if I went out and foraged some mushrooms and I could set out some wild game and cook a field-to-fork kind of, kind of a dinner. would have been kind of fun. But got lazy, didn't do that. Uh, did, however, have a meal of fish, fresh beans, some corn from our garden last year, might be one of our last bags, actually, now to think about it, and some mashed potatoes, and it was fantastic, delicious meal. Uh, so now it's Sunday, and that, that brings us up this week. So uh, this weekend, I'm sure I'll fish somewhere, but I don't really have anything too exciting planned. Um, kind of going to try to get the boat ready, make sure everything's running tip-top. I need to get some more jigs because, oh, my God. The Pelican Lake, just between rocks and between pike. Good Lord, do you go through the jigs. It is unreal. My sister was looking at my jig box. She's like, how much money is in one of those jig boxes? I'm like, well, each one of those jigs, jigs is, you know, some are more, some are cheaper. But I probably average about five pounds, five bucks a piece. And she's like, holy crap. I'm like, yeah. And by the end of the week, that thing was 20% full. And it was full when we got there. So... Yeah, so I got a small investment. I need to get restocked up before the TOC and Pool 4 and Wabasha coming up the uh, 5th and 6th. Um, pretty excited about that. Um, not sure when I have any time to pre-fish it, but I did pretty good in that pre-fishing last time. Probably will get my ass kicked, but uh, I don't know. I'm just going to go out there and, and fish. I, I learned some things uh, during the club tournaments that I think I hope we'll pan out some strategy-wise. Not so, not so much spots. We need to get, find some spots, but kind of a strategy of like when to bail on the smallmouth and go for largemouth. You know, like not try to force one or the other. Like I think I was spending too much time on those wing dams. I'm like, I know there's fish here, and just trying to get them to bite. Instead, I should have maybe done a little more run and gun and just hit the active fish and just zip around because the times I did slow down and I would spend like over an hour on a, a particular wing dam just because I knew there was fish there trying to get them to bite, it never really paid off. Like it, it never, it's like, oh yeah, it, it cost me an hour, but I caught this giant smallmouth, so it's it's a great strategy. No, it never really did. Usually I'd pull up to um, a wing dam and I'd either get bit or I wouldn't like within 10 to 15 minutes. So I, I'm going to kind of do that. Maybe we'll see. Of course, everything changes. You know, game time. I think water levels are even lower than it was when we were there. Um, who knows? I'm just gonna I'm gonna go out there and fish and try to fish smart and uh, maximize it. So pretty pumped up for that. Like I said, I don't have any major plans this weekend, but I'm sure I'll I'm sure I'll fish somewhere. But yeah, that's uh, that's your recap. 
for my rant, I don't really have much for rant. Um, I know what we should be doing, and I another thing I haven't been doing. It's uh, almost August, and that means it's almost September, and September is hunting season. Holy shit balls! Like it is going to be here before you know it. I have not picked up my bow. I have not ordered any shotgun ammo, which I need to do quickly. Uh, I do see that a bunch of small grain fields have been harvested like super early, so those are going to be freaking pointless for the early goose season. But, however, that means pigeon hunting, which we did last year for the first time, and it was fucking awesome. So I definitely want to do that again this year. Maybe that's what I'll do this weekend. Oh, I think you just made my decision. I'll go scouting on Saturday and then hopefully find a pigeon feed for Sunday. Ooh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I like that plan. And then maybe I should probably pick up my bow and send some uh, practice arrows downrange, make sure everything is, and probably should just get in the habit of, like, shooting every day now. This is the time. I know there's some hardcore people out there. You know, Cam Haynes shoots every day. Joe Rogan shoots every day. Um, buddy Orlando Childs, Childs Hunter from uh, Camp for Evolution who I've been talking with, and he's got some exciting news. I don't really want to spoil it. I'm not going to say it. Uh, don't know if he wants the whole world to know about it yet, but um, big things are happening for him over there at um, Campfire Evolution. So if you haven't done so yet, find him on social media, Campfire Evolution on Facebook and Instagram. Go follow my boy, uh, Orlando Childs. But he's like shoots his boy every day too. He's just a monster. But I don't do that. I know I should. I know I should, but I don't. Uh, but maybe I need to start picking that up and uh, – Get in the habit of shooting at least a couple times a week. Make sure I'm brushed up. Because the other thing I don't normally do, of course I say this now, but I probably won't when it comes time to it. But we'll see. I want to hunt earlier this year. I don't usually get excited to about middle of October. Usually because there's still fishing going on. There's goose hunting going on. There's just a lot. So I don't like put a ton of effort into bow hunting. And uh, I'm going to be busy this. See, I say that, but now thinking about it, I got the last two club events. For Loon State Bassmasters, Bassmasters in September, so there's a weekend that I won't be bow hunting, and then there's at least, well, not the whole weekend, but Minnesota Made Outdoors. We have a um, charity golf event going on. And any, by, by the way, for anybody out there, this is for everybody. We're still looking for teams. So if you if you like to golf, I don't care if you golf once a year. I don't golf. I'm doing it. All right. This is for the new nonprofit that we're starting up through Minnesota made, um, called future anglers of Minnesota fam. Huh? Pretty catchy, right? Uh, yeah. So we're, we're going to do this. We're, we got a bunch of, um, sponsors already, you know, they're going to sponsor a hole and, uh, it's gonna be fun. It'll be, you know, a scramble and best ball and all that. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it and I never look forward to golfing, but this is going to be a fun time to hang out with all my Minnesota made peeps, uh, share some adult beverages, have a lot of laughs and raise some money for this new organization that it's going to be awesome. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to raise money and we're going to outfit um, some young anglers. We're going to get them all decked out with rods, reels, tackle. We're going to gear them up, you know, and uh, we're going to kind of be looking for, you know, we'll kind of do it in-house at first, but I think ultimately what we want to do is reach out and people can, like, we'll have candidates, you know, maybe, you know, families that don't have a lot of money, you know, don't, they can't get out and they can't buy really good gear. And we don't want that to be a uh, barrier for entry for these young 
anglers that want to get out and do it. So that's kind of the purpose of FAM, Future Anglers Minnesota, and this is our first event for it. So I'd really like a strong showing. So if you haven't done so already, go on Minnesota Made Outdoors on Facebook. You can go to the website too. I think it's on there. I'm pretty sure it's on there. But go on there and get signed up. Get yourself a foursome. Sign up. Uh, help us out. It's for an awesome cause, and it's going to be a shit ton of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, anyways, didn't really mean to talk about that, but, eh, needed to be said anyways. Um, so, yeah, September is going to be really busy. State of Minnesota did just release the deer hunting regs, like the, the zones and how many deer you can take, what zone. Uh, my main zone will be three deer, so a buck and then two uh, antlerless. Or I think I think it's hunter's choice. I think I can take three antlers if I really wanted to, um, but I would like to take at least one antlerless, and then a buck later would be awesome. Uh, so that's gonna. I would like to hunt earlier. God, I just I don't know if it's gonna happen, but I guess maybe you just need to make it a priority, right? I mean, just just do it. I'd love to do some public land. Like I'd love to. I'd love to snag a, a nice buck off public land. That would just be. That'd be a really nice challenge. I hopefully can do that. But, yeah, that's uh, – oh, that's what I was going with. this. totally derailed myself. But something I'd been talking about, if you've been following along to the show, I've been talking about this northeast zone. And either I don't know what I'm talking about, which is probably the case, or the state doesn't know what they're talking about, which, uh, depending on who you ask. But I think they do a pretty good job. I just don't think they're – I haven't heard anybody else kind of bring up this thought that I – that I have as far as like if we want to bring moose back to the arrowhead region and we're fairly certain it's the brain worm that's causing all the problems. And the only way to reduce that is to reduce the contact between whitetail deer and moose. So instead of having the one deer a year up there, which is what it is, I think there's, there's one deer, one buck only. And then there's another zone up there that is like, buck and then doe by permit only you know by lottery and so i'm like why are they and i know it's because there's not that many deer up there but i'm like there needs to be less in my opinion so i don't know i'm gonna try to reach out to the dnr um their large game specialist and hopefully i can get them on the podcast like when i had steve courts on the waterfall specialist on and uh maybe maybe just nobody's brought that up or maybe they have they're like yeah the science doesn't back it up well it's possible i don't know but i would be super interested to find out and uh hear it right from the horse's mouth so uh that's my homework for this week is to send out an email and try to get the large game large animal specialist uh for the state of minnesota on and uh maybe we can talk about that that'd be cool or anybody maybe there's somebody that's doing moose research would be cool too oh the reason we talked about it because they're now they're looking at um reintroducing elk to the part up there oh and a correction by the way i'm sure a bunch of you were like hey dipshit learn a map uh so when i was talking about the elk in a previous uh recap and rant i said the zone was east of duluth because i'm an idiot um it's just a brain fart no the zone is like straight west of duluth so i think it's carlton and southern st louis county so basically like you're going up 35 and where it takes a hard right and heads east, northeast to Duluth, and then you jump off 33 to go up into Cloquet, it's like right there and west of the freeway. 
So kind of that's kind of the zone. Uh, I knew where it was. I think in my mind I was thinking Duluth was east, so I misspoke and said it was east of Duluth. And anyways, so correction. Like I said, I'm sure people are like, uh, east of Duluth, that would be Wisconsin. And you would be correct. So, hey, nobody's perfect. And I'm fucking far from it. Uh, so, yeah. So, that would, that, that's my homework. I'm going to do that. So, that, pick up my bow. Uh, I should probably go foraging. And uh, what else am I going to do? Oh, I was going to scout and find a pigeon spot. Oh, God, I got a lot to do. <sighs> And I've been slacking on Waterfall Wednesday, so i got to get some of those up, too. Oh, i got a full plate, so I better get to it. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Full Scale Outdoors podcast this week's recap and rant. I appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, of course, follow Full Scale Outdoors on all social media platforms. Um, on Snapchat, Dale Luganville. I'm on TikTok. I don't use it, but I probably should. I'm thinking about it. Thinking about it. Thinking about it. i also been thinking about doing some other stuff. Um Maybe making some short videos, maybe doing some how-to, some like recipe kind of things, like the way I do wild game. I've been having, uh, been getting some requests for that, so I'm concocting a little, little, little extra thing here on the side. Um, so stay tuned for that. Uh, so if you follow all those social media platforms, you won't miss it if uh, when and if it happens, which it's gonna happen. Just saying. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Catch you on the next one.